Whispering in His Ear, the devotional, explores talking and listening to God's message for us. Now, read God's voice in how to listen, a new companion study guide to the original devotional that provides discussion questions and more insight to the scripture that reveals how God talks to us. Get the series on Amazon. A lot of Christians find the Bible quite intimidating at times. It's a bit complicated. Yes, I even I admit that. I've been walking with Jesus for years, but I can still admit there are parts of the Bible that are a bit confusing, are a bit complicated, and sometimes even appear a bit uh, contradictory. But, but God has given us the tools required to handle it well. Stay tuned to hear more from Chad Mansbridge on how to read the Bible. Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually. With podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff, you can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com. Welcome to Positively Joy. Are you living life but feel like something's missing? You've come to the right place. I'm your host, Yvette Walker, and here we discover the true meaning of joy and learn that it's not just a feeling, it's faith. Jesus says in the Gospel of John chapter 15 that we can be filled with the only joy that will complete us simply by abiding in the Father's love and doing His will. This season, we will explore finding joy by walking with God in our everyday lives. Stay with us and hear other stories as they too have walked this path of discovery. Chad Mansbridge is a pastor in Australia and a Bible teacher, and he wants you to know that you can handle the truth of the Bible. He will share his threefold method on reading God's holy word on the show today. Make sure to follow our show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts so that you get notified each time a new episode is available. If you already follow our show, help a friend follow the show too. Here's Chad. Hi, Chad. Thank you so much for talking with us today uh, from the other side of the world. From down under. As we'd say that, yeah, that's right. Well, very good morning to you. I didn't want to use that cliche, but I'm glad you did. Yes, yes, and it's no. nighttime here. <laughs> that's right. We're ahead of you, of course. So uh, don't don't tell too many Americans that, or they might get upset. But we are slightly ahead of you there. <laughs> very good. Well, I wanted to talk to you today because you have uh, a book out that is really, I think, going to help my listeners walk in that daily, you know, daily um, being with God. You know, we're talking about that on this season, uh, really trying to figure out how can I open myself, keep myself open to God's word, to his promptings, and not just hear a message in church on Sundays or Wednesdays and like, that's it for the week. So we're really talking about that. And I think that really going into his word and reading, reading the Bible is crucial to allow us to get closer to him. So I think your book is going to help us do that. Well, absolutely. I mean, there's many 
many ways God can get our attention. Uh, many times, many ways we can find God or discover God uh, in every day. I often like to say to our church folk, because primarily I'm a pastor, I'm in my 20th year of leading a church. My wife and I, we uh, planted a, a church 20 years ago uh, when we were just 23 years of age. Uh, but I often say to our church, you know, there's three primary ways that God speaks to his people through the spirituals, uh, through the saints, through other people, and through the scriptures. And uh, God uses uh, spiritual manifestations and ways to get our attention. God uses uh, the saints, other people. We learn wisdom from other people. God speaks to us through the lives of other people. Uh, but certainly another major way uh, is that God speaks to us through the scripture. And uh, so while I'm a pastor, and uh, I also appreciate, I'm, I'm sure that in this series, you're going to hear lots of stories about God uh, getting people's attention every day through even serendipity. There's another S. I can't help it. I'm a preacher. I see <laughs> alliterations everywhere. But even, even serendipity or uh, or nature, you know, there's many ways that God can get our attention. We can find him every day. Uh, but certainly the Holy Spirit Scripture uh, is one way that God is absolutely committed to meeting with people, to leading and guiding people, and uh, God wants to be discovered through the pages of his written words. So while I am a pastor, I'm also primarily a Bible teacher by gifting, and so, hey, I'd love to chat about that if, if that's what you're keen to do, absolutely. Yes, I am, I am, and I'm so glad you mentioned nature and serendipity. So I was in my garden today at spring here, I'm in Oklahoma, and I am seeing, I'm seeing irises bloom for the first time in five years. I'm seeing irises come up and I don't remember planting that. So I'm seeing these little garden surprises that are happening and they're little, and for me, they're little winks from God. <laughs> little winks. I like that. I like that. You know, I was thinking before uh, before my interview, I'm like hearing God every day or, or uh, finding God in the everyday. Uh, one of the ways God often gets my attention is through uh, numbers or numerical coincidences. And uh, that's been uh, something of a part of my journey and even part of my pastoral journey is that God's got my attention through numbers. So, yeah, through tulips or through irises, through plants, I've got more weeds in my garden that I haven't planted. They just keep, keep coming up uh, or through numbers or through, hey, uh, pets, animals, the nature, whatever. You know, I think uh, it's great us doing this podcast. It's great. Uh, more and more you see people with uh things stuck in their ears uh, as, as we're uh, listening to interviews and feeding on things like this. Uh, but I tell you what, uh, another great way to hear God is to get things out of your ears, uh, get screens away from your eyes and uh, enjoy quietness and stillness in the creation that God's, uh, God's given us to enjoy. So, yeah. I so agree with you. As much as I want people to listen, a lot of people will will take their daily walks and listen to podcasts. And I have to say, again, as much as I love people to listen to the show, I think that's a mistake. Because I, because when I go for a walk and I need to walk more than I do, the one thing I hear is the sounds of nature. We're getting off track a little bit, but I just need to say, I hear the birds, I hear the wind, I hear things. And if I have something stuck in my ears, how can I experience that? How can I hear that? Um, that's him speaking to us in, in, in ways. And so I agree with you. I, I'm a media person, but I completely agree with you. <laughs> Come on, sis. But I want to know more about you. Yeah, no worries. I know you, you know, you planted that church very early in 20 at 23. Um, so tell us a little bit about your faith walk and how you came to plant that church at 23. 
Uh, no problems. Well, we I had the privilege of growing up in a in a Christian family, and so uh, from my spiritual journey, in some ways, possibly you could say I had a bit bit of a head start there. Was grounded uh, in sort of Christian thinking. It wasn't really until my teenage years I think I encountered God in a, in a genuine way. That God went from being something I just, oh, of course, I believe in, you know, uh, to being no, no, no. I know. I now know God is real, and uh, I know Him. You can't take that away from me. And so I really had a spiritual. Uh, experience in my teenage years, and uh, and really began walking with God in a in an intimate reality. Uh, in that time, uh, in my young adult years, I moved out of home to go to university or varsity or college or whatever you you say <laughs> over there. Uh, we we abbreviate things differently, so we abbreviate university to uni, not varsity. No, so it's uni over here. Uh, so anyway, we went to uni, uh, plugged into a, a church on my own, away from my parents. And uh, that church had very much a, a lot of young adults my age, but also a strong culture of leadership development. Uh, there is a place for Bible school and Bible colleges and institutions, but this church very much believed in in raising up leaders for all walks of life within the local church, in community, uh, is a, a primary way to do that. And so by the age of 22, 23, we were foolish enough to believe that we could plant a church if that's what God said. And he did. He spoke to us at 23 years of age. Uh, my wife and I were married fairly young. We had one child, a baby at that stage. And uh, I, the story's long, but, but suffice to say, we really felt God speak to us. Again, maybe I, I could sum it up by saying through scriptural conviction, we believed church planting and pastoral life was something that was on God's heart for some people at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, we uh, chatted with other people in our lives, uh, elders that um, re- uh, that we respected, that were observing us. We said, we're feeling this in God. What do you think? We uh, and Over here we use the term we bounced it off someone else. You know, uh, we haven't made a decision yet. We're leaning this way. What yeah. do you think? What do you see in us? We bounced it off the wisdom of other people. Uh, but we also had some spiritual encounters or moments where God spoke out of the blue, uh, as it were, about us leading a church. And that was literally, uh, yeah, 20, 20 years ago when we were 23. Yeah. Wow. And so when you tell, and it's really great that you felt like you could talk to those older people in your life. So when you tell those people, did they think you were crazy or did they say, you know what, let's, let me help you. I absolutely, they, they'd seen that on us, you know, and they, uh, my wife and I, my wife's name's Jay, like the letter J. And uh, they said, no, look, we've seen that developing in you. You know, I feel like I'm called a pastor. I've called a plant a church, you know. And uh, and they said, no, we've seen that. We, we can see that in you. And uh, and so, yeah, that was an affirming an affirming thing. Mm. So that's a heavy responsibility on two young people. So you, you know, you really, I think, would, would need to have that daily openness, listening to God's prompting, which clearly is what happened to you. You listened to God's prompting and he told you to do this and you did this. But I think a lot of people wonder, how do I get there? How do I open myself? I'm not hearing anything. I felt like I haven't heard him for years, which was which was my story before 2019. So I personally think it's because we need to read the Bible for, for you know, we need to pray, we need to read the Bible, we need to become a seeker again. And I think that uh, you being a Bible teacher, you can share a lot about what that meant for you and what you're doing to try to help other people get back in the Bible. The Positively Joy podcast is a member of the Spark Media Network and can be heard on the Edify app. You know, it's pledge season on some public radio networks. We don't do that here, but we can't exist without your support. Join my friend SP in becoming a Patreon monthly giver. You can give as little as $5 and receive some great benefits. 
Go to PositivelyJoy.com and click support. It was when I was a teenager or a young adult that I I grew up in what some of your listeners may be familiar with is, is known as the Pentecostal tradition. And mm-hmm. so generally in Pentecostal churches, uh, it is very common for people to say, I felt God say to me, or I heard God say, or even for a preacher uh, or for someone uh, um, who would claim to be what we might may, may, may call prophetic, where they believe God is saying something for someone else. I believe God is saying this about you. That was very common uh, when I was growing up. And so as a teenager, I was like, God, I want to hear your voice. Like, why don't you speak to me? Like you seem to speak to these preachers that get up and say, God said this this week and God said this this week. And uh, I'd seen uh, some people give some very specifics on God has said this. You know, I'm like, I want to hear you like that. And suddenly I did. I like, I heard God respond to that. And it was response in a a reminder of a verse that I'd heard somewhere in my Christian life about if you're responsible with little or faithful with little, mm-hmm. then I will entrust you with much. And uh, and to me, I that instantly meant to me, okay, at, at that time, I felt that like God was saying to me, why don't you be faithful with what I have already said? I've given you the Bible, mate. I have said stuff. I've said stuff over history. People have written it down. I've mm-hmm. given you the scripture. You want me to talk about all this stuff. Why have you been faithful with what I've already said to you? And that sort of thought came in quick, quick, you know, just a split second in spirit time. I was like, boom, I just understood that 16 years of age. And I'm like, okay, I need to get stuck into the word. Okay, I need to become a Bible person because hearing how God has spoken in the past will help attune my ear to him speaking today. And even that thing I said before about God seems to get my attention through numbers and numeric coincidences, and I'm sure some listeners out there will be able to identify with that. That's actually one of God's languages. Yes, he does that. In fact, as you read the Bible, you find that he does that all the way through the scripture. He introduces things in patterns of seven or tens or 10 times four or three or 12. See, God uses numbers to get people's attention. And so once you see that, once you're familiar with how God speaks in the Bible, you'll be more hopefully attuned to him speaking to you today in everyday life. And so part of, yeah, wanting to uh, be in tune with God's voice today, what is the uh, still small voice saying to me specifically? Well, get it stuck into the scripture because you will learn the languages that God speaks. God is multilingual. Okay, he doesn't just speak one way. Uh, He can speak multiple ways and we can become familiar with that, familiar with his speaking, familiar with his character, okay, with how the tone in which he can speak. Uh, We become familiar with him through his already revealed eternal written word. And so that Bible teaching, incredibly important to train people to hear God's voice today. So let's talk about the book because it has a really great title. Uh, You can handle the truth. (laughs) Amen. Come on. Right. Making sense of the Bible in three simple steps. And so, okay, you got me right there. Okay. I want to know the three simple steps, but I just, but I want to know about really how did that come to you? Obviously God gave you that. He gave you this book, Uh, but just talk about that process and then talk about a little bit what's in the book. Fine, no problems. Well, the title is, as you said, You Can Handle the Truth. It's got nothing to do with an old Jack Nicholson quote movie, okay? I know. it's uh, Trust me, it's got nothing to do with that. But you can. Basically, uh, there's a letter in the New Testament, Paul, who's an apostle. He's a, a very mature Christian uh, and Bible preacher. And he's writing to one of his younger, uh, someone he's mentoring, a young apprentice in the faith called Timothy. And so we've got this book called Second Timothy. And, and there in chapter two, he says, listen, mate, I want you to be a workman, okay, a work person who 
who doesn't need to be ashamed because you correctly handle the word of truth. You correctly handle the word of truth. Some Bible versions in the English, they say you rightly divide the word of truth. And basically, it's his way of saying, listen, there's a right way and there's a wrong way to handle the scripture. There's a good way. There's a bad way. There's a helpful way. There's an unhelpful way. There's a a way that can bring healing to people. But there's also a way of handling the Bible that can hurt people and harm people. So you need to be someone that correctly handles the scripture. So that's where that the title comes from. You can handle the truth. A lot of people, uh, Christians, and depending on how long you've been uh, walking with God, uh, you've uh, a lot of Christians find the Bible quite intimidating at times. It's a bit complicated. Yes, I even I admit that. I've been walking with Jesus for years, but I can still admit there are parts of the Bible that are a bit confusing, are a bit complicated, and sometimes even appear a bit uh, contradictory. But, but, God has given us the tools required to handle it well. And the whole encouragement of the book is you can do it. You can handle the scriptures. You can handle the truth. But yeah, the framework of the book is right there in the subtitle, Making Sense of the Bible in Three Simple Steps. And uh, those steps, the technical term for it is basically a very long established thing in Bible interpretation study called the inductive study method. Now, don't be afraid about technical terms. They're all in the back of the book in the end notes, okay, where they belong. <laughs> this is It's not a book that's full of technical terms like a lot of books in this uh, on this subject actually are. The whole the uh, technical term for this whole study of, of how to read the Bible properly and how to understand it properly, the technical term that some of your listeners may have heard is hermeneutics, which again, puts a lot of people off. Well, what Big sounds word. Latin to me? What, yeah, okay, okay. Well, again, uh, this is not a technical book. It is a complex issue, but I've written it very simply like a mentoring conversation, like uh, a Paul writing to a Timothy or for, for my female readers to a Tammy, okay, <laughs> to Tims <laughs> and Tams, uh, writing to a younger audience and making something complex quite simple. And so the simple three steps of handling the Bible well are actually demonstrated to us by a guy called Ezra, who is one of the uh, uh, preeminent uh, scribes or uh, um, in the Old Testament. Uh, many people, Bible scholars, actually think that he was critical in putting the Old Testament together, uh, much of the Bible that we have today. And there he is in Nehemiah chapter 8, the story of uh, Ezra and Nehemiah actually two separate books. Originally, they were one, but it basically tells the same story. So he's there in Nehemiah chapter 8, and he stands up before the people, and he reads the Bible to them. He reads the scripture to them. And then it says that the Levites, having read the Bible, then explained its meaning. Okay, you read the Bible, then you seek to understand what it means. And then thirdly, having heard what the Bible meant, God's people started crying and howling, and weeping, and mourning. And Ezra says, no, 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 no. That's not the right response. Okay, stop it. <laughs> You're not <laughs> responding properly because there's a third step in under- in making sense of the Bible. You've got to read it. You've got to understand what it means, but then you've got to know how to respond. Uh, you've got to know, well, what does that? how does that matter for us today? And the people actually there responded wrong and they needed some coaching to say, no, 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 the right response today is not to weep and mourn and wail, The joy of the Lord, he says, is your strength. Our response today should be to go home and have a party and to share food and drinks with those around because uh, while you've heard the scriptures and while you've understood the meaning, you've misapplied it into our current context. Okay, Mm -hmm. And so he needed to tell them today is not the day to weep. So here we have have a three-step process. And I like to frame those three steps as three key questions. Uh, God is not afraid of questions. And we should not be afraid to ask the Bible 
questions. And so here they are. The first thing we do when we approach our Bible is to ask the question, what does it say? Good place to start. How do you understand the Bible? Let you know what it says. Okay, pretty obvious, Chad. You know, what does it say? The second thing is, well, what does that mean? So the Levites there not only read it, but then they explained the meaning. What does it say and what does it mean? And the third step is, well, what does it matter? Sure, that's what it says. Okay, that's what it means. But what does it matter to you and to I today? And that's the area where we get into the implications of that truth or the applications for us today. And so these three steps basically form the framework of my book, what does it say? Well, you need to read the Bible. We talk about how to read the Bible well, how to read the Bible properly, how to read the Bible productively. Okay, there's hints and tips about reading the Bible well. So you can answer the question, what does the Bible actually say? The second part of the book is, well, what does it mean? And there's another technical term for this called exegesis. Okay, and it's about discovering what did the author mean when he said those words? Because it doesn't matter what the Bible means to you. Okay, that's not the question. The question is, what does it mean to the author who was communicating it? What does it mean to God, the divine author? And what did it mean to the human authors? Well, that step's all about understanding context, something of the culture of the day, something of the narrative of the Bible, something of the characters and the audience to whom it was written to. Uh, we need to understand what the Bible means. Is this figurative language or is this supposed to be understood literally? So there's genre of uh, understanding there. What does the Bible mean? What does it say? What does it mean? And then thirdly, well, what do I do with it? What does it matter? Uh, so what? Peter walked on the water when Jesus said, come to me. Okay, who cares? What does it matter to me today? What lessons can I draw from that? Or, or am I supposed to do with that? So what if God said to people, sacrifice a, a bull when you come to my temple? I, and it had something to do with their worship. What does that matter to me today? You know, yeah. What are the implications of that to me today? Am I supposed to do that? You know, am I supposed to apply that today? Uh, that's the third step. And so what does it say? What does it mean? And what does it matter? And if we were to apply this simple process, uh, we would find ourselves, I believe, handling the Bible well. Mm -hmm. So I think that people can get behind the first part, begin to read, and maybe even maybe even try to begin understanding what it means, but they get stuck on that last part for sure. And I think it's really interesting that the audience in Nehemiah's time, as Ezra in Nehemiah's time, uh, also got stuck got stuck on it because they had the wrong response. So it makes us maybe feel not so bad today, thousands and thousands of years later. But one question is, so as a as an author and a, a, a pastor and a, and a Bible teacher, do the translations matter? Because we have the different translations. Some are easier to read. Some uh, have even modern language. I am not asking this question to ask you what's what's better or worse, but I guess I want to ask, does that matter? Because if the language is a language that I'm more comfortable with, does that help me in part three of your steps or does it really not matter? No, it, it, it absolutely matters. And I'd say it actually matters right back in step one. Uh, when, you, when you're reading the Bible to know what does the Bible say, well, the translation 
that you're reading, which for most of our audience would be would be English, uh, the English version that you are reading is determining what you believe the scriptures say. And uh, as we know, the reason uh, we have different translations is because uh, interpreting or translating a foreign language isn't a precise science. Uh, there is uh, there is different approaches to translating uh, a language. And so I do actually have a whole chapter dedicated in that first step. What does the Bible say? Well, we're reading the Bible. I've got a whole chapter dedicated uh, to translations, describing some of the differences between uh, translations. I've even got a graphic uh, that shows, I think, the top 12 or top 20 uh, English translations and where they fit on a, on a spectrum of translations. I kind of give more detail about that in the book. But basically, I do encourage the reader to have more than one Bible, at least a, a serious Bible student. If you're a new Christian, you're only uh, new to church life, you're only just new to uh, walking with Jesus, then have one Bible and stick with that at the moment. But as you grow and mature, uh, I believe that serious Bible students should have multiple Bibles that you draw on for different reasons. And uh, I actually, yeah, dedicate a whole chapter to that. But yeah, translation is incredibly important to find out what the scripture says, because if you don't really know what it's saying, uh, that'll interpret, that'll help you understand um, shape how what you actually believe the Bible was, means. Uh, and then so when you do that, get to that third question is, well, how does that matter to us today? Uh, you could be quite skewed off. And so to really, especially if there's big decisions or big issues that you're drawing a con- trying to draw a conclusion from, drawing on multiple translations can actually be a very helpful thing. Mm. So two questions. Do, d- does it matter if those two or three or more Bibles uh, are uh, hard copy or reading online? Do you, I mean because you know Come there's, on. there's use you version and Bible Hub and Bible Gateway and so many different places to read the Bible. To you though, does it matter? Uh, especially as you said to serious Bible students. I'll give you this for free. This is the the point of that chapter. I think your audience is going to love this. I actually believe there are four different types of Bible that every serious student should have, and here they are: something old something new, something borrowed, and something blue. All right, you've never heard of those translations before, have you? There are four different types of Bible. Number one is something old. I believe that everyone should have a, an old faithful Bible, a version that you are familiar with, uh, that you have come to know. For me, it's my 1984 NIV. I'm not recommending that to you, but that's the Bible that I grew up on. It's a blue, it's a leather bound. I've underlined and highlighted areas and written notes in. It's the Bible I'm most familiar with. And I certainly believe that the Bible you become most familiar with, in my opinion, paper trumps screen because in paper, uh, there's something about the senses, and this is a, there's a science behind this, but the senses of touch and even smell. We all know the smell of a book, okay? Mm-hmm. Touch and even the sound of turning pages. There's something about awakening the senses that helps with our familiarity. And so as you familiarize yourself with an old faithful Bible, something that you know your way around, you can navigate your way around. You know, there are there are verses that I struggle to remember what uh, exactly where they are in the Bible but my mind can remember. It's on the left column, underlined in yellow, uh, next to a blue underlined bit. You know, I know it's on that side, the left column of the left page, you know, and I can find it that way because I've become so familiar with that Bible. So I believe that everyone should have an old faithful Bible. If you have one and you've underlined it, keep that Bible. It's better to have one sword in the cupboard that you're really familiar with fighting a battle with than 12 that you're barely familiar with, you know, so keep your old faithful. The other thing about advantage of a paper copy for your old, uh, something old Bible, is that when you're looking at a screen, uh, you can't see as much text at once as you can when you're reading paper. That's and true. This, there's, 
there's again a science behind this about how much you comprehend. When you're looking at a screen, and I, I do this because as a preacher, I put the verses on the screen for the people in our church, and I know you've only fit two or three lines at once, and it doesn't really help the comprehension. When you can see a double page and you can see the argument or the flow that someone is making, it just helps in your comprehension. It's another reason that paper trumps screen. So everyone should have a something old Bible that you underline and you highlight and you become familiar with. But I also believe you should have a something new Bible that every few years, just get yourself a new Bible that's different to your old one because a new translation, a new version will come across as fresh to you and it will help you see things or hear things that you're not that, fam- that maybe you missed in your previous Bible. And so when I was growing up, my dad, uh, my father had a New American Standard Bible. That was his something old Bible. But in the 90s, he bought Eugene Peterson's message. And he did that because it just brought out different things that were fresh to him. And so he had a something new Bible. The third type of Bible you should have is something borrowed. And that's a Bible that, you know, you may not read every day, but you get it out for a specific reason and then you put it back on the shelf. And as a preacher, I've got a number of these. I have a good news Bible uh, that when I speak at Christian schools, it's very simple English. So that's the Bible I choose. Uh, When I do a funeral or maybe something that's a little bit older, I might get a new King James that has a bit of an older sound to it. I just borrow it for that purpose. Okay. So it's something borrowed, something, uh, or for study, I might use a study Bible that I get out for that purpose. So something old, something new, something borrowed, used for a specific purpose. And then lastly, Yvette, as you said, something blue. And as we all know, blue is the color of a hyperlink, okay? It's your electronic Bible. And (laughs) I don't know where I'd be as a Bible teacher were I not to have access to Bible Hub. Okay, you mentioned that one. Uversion's another one you mentioned. Uh, Stepbible.org's another free one online. Uh, Blue Letter Bible, there you go, the the color blue, okay? (laughs) And the advantage of these, particularly if you're studying, is that you can, at the click of a finger, you can have access to dictionaries, encyclopedias, cross-referencing verses simply by the beauty of hyperlinks. Uh, I think electronic Bibles are a huge gift to us as the body of Christ. You can have instant access to 25 different English versions, as well as the original Greek that you can click on and, and as well and have a whole lot of fun with and Bible nerd out on, okay, with your electronic <laughs> Bible. So yeah, I think everyone should familiarize themselves with some type of electronic Bible passage. Uh, but still, for your everyday reading, paper trump screen, something old, something new, something borrowed, and something blue. But I'd suggest to your original question, for the Bible that you're most familiar with, have a paper Bible, put the screens away, Mm -hmm. get your alerts away, sit out in the garden with your irises blooming, okay, hear the sound of nature around you, coffee in one hand or tea or whatever suits your fancy, and uh, meet with God through the pages of his written word. Oh, that sounds so beautiful. Uh, We used to give Bibles as gifts all the time. It was a, it was a, I think a pretty common gift, but that seems to have, you know, gone away or maybe declined in some areas. And maybe we need to get back to that, giving a gift of a Bible, a paper Bible um, to people we care about. I gave my husband uh, a Bible a couple of years ago. I think it's called the Jesus Bible. Uh, because it's the idea that the entire Bible is about Jesus. And so it goes through this as commentary and things like that. Um, but yeah, yeah, we need to we need to do that more. Now, in your book, I think it's the last chapter, uh, you have a, a chapter that I particularly love because, of course, it has the word joy in it, Tra- uh, finding joy in biblical revelation. And you use joy as an acronym for something pretty interesting. Tell us about that. 
Well, in the last part of the book, as you know, step three, we get back to that. What does the Bible say? Step one, what does it mean? Step two, well, what does it matter? How do we uh, apply the scripture to our life today? Well, that's step three. And I admit there, as I, as I did before, it's sometimes difficult uh, to read passages of scripture or even whole books. I mean, what the heck do you do with Nahum and Obadiah, for goodness sake? You know, what do you, no one's favourite book is Nahum. What do you do with that, you know? How do, I, how do I apply anything in there to my life today? Well, I do uh, just a simple tool technique uh, to use. Uh, I'm convinced that uh, one of the reasons the Bible matters today is because it does speak to one of life's and modern life's great existential concerns. You know, one of the big things we hear in culture and, and, and society at the moment is this whole thing of identity. Identity. How do you identify? What's your identity? Okay, this is yeah. a big conversation. People really actually want to know that. It is a question in their heart. And ultimately, and uh, you and I would both agree, if you want to know who your tr- what your true identity is, you've got to find out what God says. Because ultimately, I am who I am, says I am. You know, I am who I am, says I am. And it's what he says about me that is the most important thing. In fact, it's on the revelation of identity. Uh, Jesus, uh, when he says to Peter, who, who do people say that I am? Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And he says, that's absolutely correct. And he says, you know what? It's on the rock solid revelation of who, what heaven says about me. I'm going to build my church. Understanding that what God the Father has revealed about me, that is the rock on which the church will be built. And so it's on the rock-solid revelation of the identity of Jesus. And out of that, incidentally, the rock-solid revelation of who we are because of him, because it's right there that Jesus changes uh, Simon's name to Peter. Yeah. And he says, Pete, I want you to know how I see you. Okay, you know who I am. And now that you know who I am, I want you to know who you are. You are Peter. You're a chip off the old rock, mate. You're a little <laughs> stone. Okay. You're actually more like me, Jesus. You know, I think is what Jesus' way of saying, you're more like me than you give yourself credit for. I want you to see, uh, see yourself uh, related to me. That's how you are to see your identity. And so the point, the point of all that is just to say this whenever we read the scripture, we can ask ourselves the question, how does this matter to us today? Well, I want to encourage you to seek joy. Ask yourself, what does this passage of Scripture teach me about Jesus? What does it show me about the nature and the character of God? Because as you said, your husband's Bible, the Bible you bought your husband, is all about helping people to see that the Bible is all about revealing who Jesus is. Ultimately, we don't study the Bible. I didn't write my book on helping people to read the Bible so that they can know the Bible better. Ultimately, we read the Bible so that we can know God better. The Bible mm-hmm. ultimately reveals, it's the great reveal, who is Jesus? Because it's only in knowing Jesus that we can receive eternal life. That is the thing that matters most. So as you read the scripture and you're struggling to find, how does this matter to me today? Ask yourself, well, what does it teach me about God? What does it teach me about Jesus? Secondly, we can ask ourselves the question, well, what does this teach me about other people? Because our great command, as we know, is is to love God and to love others. And if Mm -hmm. we're to love others in our life, then we need to understand them. And so as you read the stories of uh, David, for example, dealing with King Saul and the trauma that he went through there, and then the pain he went through with Jonathan, his his friend who died on a battlefield with Saul, and and, and then the pain he went through with Absalom and and, and the issue with Bathsheba, and all these stories that you think, well, what the heck, how does this matter to me today? Well, one of the things it can do is it can teach you about the complexity of the pain 
pain and, and the complexity of life that other people go through. And as you understand others better, we can love them better. And so as we read the scriptures, we say, Lord, is there anything in here you want to teach me about the other people in my life so that I can love them better? And then thirdly, J, Jesus, O, others, Y is you. What does this scripture, what am I reading? What does it teach me about me? What does it show me about my identity, about the way that God sees me and about how I am to conduct myself, about how I am to see myself as I live out my life on this planet? And so as we seek to find joy in the scripture, J-O-Y, seek to find Jesus, others, and yourself. And remember, circles right back to where we first began, Yvette, when we said those three simple steps are found in the story of Nehemiah 8 with Ezra. They read the scripture, they explained the meaning, and then when it came to responding, they said, listen, (laughs) the joy of the Lord is your strength. All right, find joy in the scripture because when you truly understand truth, it is the truth you know, Jesus said, that will set you free. And so if you are reading your Bible and you're not discovering freedom, you're not discovering the love and the nature and the character of God, then you're probably not doing something quite right. And uh, a book like You Can Handle the Truth to help you to handle the scripture well may very well be a benefit to you. Amen. You must be a pastor. I feel like I just had a great sermon. (laughs) Preacher, brother, come on. Yeah, so good. So good. Well, how can people find out more about this book? Tell us your website and where we can find you on social media. Well, I'm fairly easy to find. My surname is Mansbridge. Uh, There's not too many of us. So Chad Mansbridge. And uh, so my website's chadmansbridge.com. Social media, I'm fairly easy to find on there as well. My middle initials in the middle, Chad M. Mansbridge. And of course, wherever people get their books, you can handle the truth, uh, can be accessed on, uh, I think in America, most of your listeners would probably buy from the likes of Barnes and Noble or Amazon, uh, ebook, of course, paper. I personally think when it comes to books, paper trumps screen. Okay. I love reading outside or even in a a, a sauna or a bath or something like that. Okay. And so uh, I'm I'm personally a paper fan, Uh, but also an audio book. If people can handle my accent and they like listening to books, I actually narrated the book myself. And so wherever you get your audio, books from, uh, then uh, they can get, you can handle the truth there as well. Americans love Australian accents. So yes, they would love to hear you read that book. <laughs> okay. Okay. No problem. Chad, this has been great. Thank you so much for, uh, for, you know, for ar- arranging a time so we can, you know, both be up. You're so far away. I can see the sun peeking through your window and I've, you know, you can't see my windows, but it's nighttime here. So I appreciate that. Uh, it's an important message and it's important. I think it's an important message for the purposes of the season that that this podcast is in because we really want people to know how to just daily walk that out with God and knowing what's in his word, you know, knowing it and understanding the meaning and then understanding how your own response is going to be is is just so important. So I encourage everybody to get the book. And uh, thank you so much, Chad, for speaking with us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening to Positively Joy. Please leave us a review and a ranking wherever you are listening. Special thanks to music composer Morel Sanders and to editor Susan Marie. For more podcasts, go to thejam.online to listen to Journalists Advancing Ministry about journalists who have left media for the ministry. 
and go to Amazon.com to read Whispering in His Ear, my book of devotions that include life lessons, prayers, and journal writing, along with multimedia songs and spoken word. For Positively Joy t-shirts and other merch, go to PositivelyJoy.com and click shop. Shop.